chapter number 9. Numbers chapter number 9, verse number 15. I've gotten so much out of the book of Numbers here lately. It's just a, some people think that maybe it's a, they look at it and see some well, they see a bunch of numbers, I guess, you know, and so for lack of better words, it's just a great, it's a rich book. I can't wait to preach through Numbers 12, 13, and 14, some of the richest chapters in the, in the Pentateuch. I mean, just some amazing stuff that's going on there. It's, uh, the scriptures are just filled with richness. I, I read even in Numbers this morning about uh, something to do with a battle and trumpets and bringing gold and sacrifices afterwards and everything. I had no idea what I was reading, but I thought it very interesting. I thought, you know what, I can't wait till I can find out what this is all about, you know. I'm looking forward to that. You know, God has a unique way of revealing things to us as we grow in our Christian life and walk. You know that? Uh, sometimes you'll read in your Bible, you'll, read, you'll be reading something, and you'll say, you'll scratch your head and you'll go, what does that mean? What does that have to do with anything? Um, but you just keep reading and you keep being faithful to God and his word. And in this time, God will reveal it to you in the way that he, in the way that he deems best. And, uh, and maybe, maybe it will take some study. Maybe it will take some time. Um, but nonetheless, God uh, has a way of revealing those things in his time. But in Numbers chapter number 9, verses 15 through 23, we come to a message tonight that I've entitled, The Cloud by Day and the Fire by Night. The cloud by day and the fire by night. Or if you want to put it in parentheses, you might say it like this. God never leaves us. God never leaves us. The cloud by day, the fire by night. We see here in Numbers chapter number 15, chapter number 9, verses number 15 through 23. I love these verses and the way that it reads. Just listen to it as we go through it here. And on the day that the tabernacle was reared up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, namely the tent of the testimony, and at even there was upon the tabernacle, as it were, the appearance of fire until the morning. So it was always. The cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. When the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle, then after that the children of Israel journeyed in the place where the cloud abode, there the children of Israel pitched their tents. At the commandment of the Lord, the children of Israel journeyed, and at the commandment of the Lord, they pitched. As long as the cloud abode upon the tabernacle, they rested in their tents. And when the cloud tarried long upon the tabernacle, many days, then the children of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and journeyed not. And so it was when the cloud was was a few days upon the tabernacle, according to the commandment of the Lord, they abode in their tents. And according to the commandment of the Lord, they journeyed. And so it was when the cloud abode from even unto morning, and the cloud was taken up in the morning when they journeyed, whether it was by day or by night. Think about that. By day or night. If the cloud was taken up, the fire was taken up at night, they had to go. If it was taken up during the day, they had to go. didn't matter. They had to journey as God commanded them. Whether it were two days or a month or a year, that the cloud tarried upon the tabernacle, remaining there on the children of Israel, abode in their tents and journeyed not. But when it was taken up, they journeyed. At the commandment of the Lord, they rested in their tents, and at the commandment of the Lord, they journeyed. They kept the charge of the Lord at the commandment of the Lord by the hand of Moses. 
I want us to see that phrase in verse number 18 and also in verse number 23. Or excuse me, verse number 19 and verse 23. Verse 19, it says, And the children of Israel kept the charge of the Lord. And verse number 23, it says it again, They kept the charge of the Lord at the commandment of the Lord by the hand of Moses. We come to a, another place in Moses' life, a place that maybe personally doesn't have to do with Moses. We're not dealing with Moses and God speaking to each other like we found in Exodus chapter number 33 and 34. But no doubt, this is a very personal experience for Moses, for he experienced it every single day of his life until the day that he died. But not just him, but from Numbers 9, and for 40 years, the cloud by day and the fire by night was upon the tabernacle of the Lord. And the rest of the children of Israel saw it. They seen it. They experienced it. They noticed it. They watched it. They followed it. They rested when it rested. It. They journeyed when it journeyed, whether it be by day or by night. They kept the charge of the Lord. This is a great story. It's a great reminder to us of many different aspects of God's truths. It's a great reminder that we need to wait on God. Amen? It's a great reminder to wait on God. When God moves, that's when we move. When God rests, that's when we rest. We shouldn't move before God. We shouldn't straggle too far behind Him either. But another reminder is this, is of God's guidance. Uh, the old saying says, where God guides, He what? Provides. Where God guides, he provides. And this is a testimony to God's guidance. This cloud by day and this fire by night. But not only that, it's a testimony to pilgrimage. That the life of a Christian, the life of the children of God is a pilgrimage. It's moving on. This, as we sang this morning, uh, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Sometimes you might even sing the wrong song, but it works out every once in a while. So if you paid attention to the bulletin, you know what I mean by that. So it's a great story of pilgrimage. Listen, folks, we're not in this world to get the things of this world. Amen. We're in this world to gain the eternal things of God. It's a great uh, reminder of theocracy that God was in charge of the children of Israel, that there had no king, but God was their king. And God would to be their king for nearly over 400 years until uh, Samuel's time and Saul became king. It's a great story of submission. They submitted to God's plan and to God's will in this matter. It's a great story of obedience. It's a great story of omnipresence. That God is with us all the time, no matter what. The fire and cloud are a symbol of God's holy presence. No matter where the children of Israel went, no matter where they were at, the cloud by day and the fire by night was with them. His pillar and cloud, no doubt, I'm sure that some of you maybe have already caught on to this, that his pillar and cloud, of his, excuse me, his fire and cloud, no doubt represent for us today, it is a very perfect type, you might say, of what we find in the New Testament dwelling inside every single believer. And that is the Holy Spirit of God. For it is not even in the New Testament, in Mark chapter number 1 and verse number 10, you find that the Holy Spirit of God is represented as a dove that is descending out of where? The sky, in the form of a dove. In Acts chapter number 2, you find the Holy Spirit of God filling the apostles there and the, and the, and the others in the upper room. And what came and sat on top of them? But nothing but what? Cloven tongues as of what? Fire. 
John the Baptist even said that, that Jesus Christ would come and baptize you in what? With fire and of the Holy Ghost. And so these are related, no doubt. And I don't have any problem in saying that today, as we live in this time, in this period right now, that our fire and our cloud that is resting upon us, that we journey with it, that we obey Him, that we wait for Him, that we submit our lives to, that we obey, that He is our ultimate theocracy for our lives, is God's Holy Spirit. We don't talk about the Holy Spirit of God enough sometimes, do we? We kind of write Him off as an it, don't we? It. Well, it's hard for us to imagine when we think of a spirit as a him, or as a person, but he is a person. He's the third person of the Trinity, as we know in theology. He is a person, because the Bible even tells us in the book of Ephesians, it says, grieve not the Holy Spirit. You cannot grieve an it. You can't make an it sad or unhappy. You can, only grieve a human, you can only grieve a being. And when we disobey God, we grieve the Holy Spirit. We're to be filled with the Spirit. We're to be led by the Spirit, is what the New Testament tells us. So this is a reminder for us here this evening that these cloud, this cloud by day and fire by night is a reminder and a testimony to God's Holy Spirit in our lives. That we should rest when He rests. We should move when He moves. Uh, we should keep the charge of the Lord. We should watch after God. That's what the word charge means. The word charge means to keep a post. It means to keep a post. It's the idea of soldiers watching guard. It's the idea of what keeping the charge of the Lord means. What that means for us is this. It gives to us a, uh, a good idea of what they did. Uh, we don't really have this in detail for us, but that word charge helps us understand what was happening. No doubt, maybe Moses or somebody else appointed some men or some other people to keep the charge of the Lord, to keep watch on the fire by night and the cloud by day. And the moment that it moved, that charge, that post, was to let somebody know. If the fire moved at 3 o'clock in the morning, do you think everybody was looking? I don't think so. They were there to look. They were there to watch. They were there to make sure that they followed God no matter what. They set out a post and they kept an eye on what God wanted them to do for their lives. There's a great song that says this. It says, if you say go, we will go. If you say wait, we will wait. If you say step out on the water... And they say it can't be done, we'll fix our eyes on you, and we will come. Lord, we'll do what you want us to do. We'll go where you want us to go. How is that translated for us in our New Testament? How is this idea of keeping the charge of the Lord, what does it mean in the New Testament? Well, I've said to you that it means to, to keep a pose, to keep a watch. You know that Jesus said in Matthew chapter number 26 and verse number 41, he said what? Watch and pray. Pray. Watch and pray. For you know not when the hour of the Lord doth come. Or excuse me, for, excuse me, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He says in Matthew 24, 42, he says, watch therefore, for you know when the, the hour of the Lord doth come. 
He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse number 13, Watch ye and stand fast and quit you like men. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 18 says that we ought to be watching thereunto. Unto what? Prayer. With all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Keep the charge of the Lord. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore be sober, he says in 1 Peter, and watch unto prayer. First, 2 Timothy 4, 5, but watch thou in all things. Not just prayer, but in all things. Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Blessed is he that watcheth, Revelation teaches us. We ought to be watching. We ought to be looking, my friend. Uh, I think it's three different times that the Bible tells us to be looking at Jesus Christ. Looking uh, for him. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior. We ought to be looking. We ought to be watching. Ought to be something that ought to be on our minds constantly. Say, so how am I going to watch, preacher? Pastor, what, what am I going to do to watch? Well, the first thing is this. As I read through all those scriptures, I could not help but notice that one of the main things in which we are to be watching in is in prayer. Watch and pray. One of the main things in our Christian lives that we ought to be watching in is watching in prayer. What charge is it that our church and every other church and every other church in time period has left the most unguarded? Come on now. We've left unguarded the place of prayer. It's always been prayer. Prayer has always been the least watched over area in the church's existence. One of the very first sins of the early church was prayerlessness. You've got the pastor, Jesus, and his three deacons, Peter, James, and John. They're in the garden, and what does he tell them? Could you not pray with me for one hour? That little church, that little, that little group, that little band of men, there they were, the, the three heavyweights of what we could think of in the Bible, Peter, James, and John, and yet they could not pray for one hour. How many of us have lost an hour of prayer to that scoundrel of sleep? Amen. I'll be the first to admit and raise my hand I have. We all have. Sleep can so many times overtake us. If we're all honest with ourselves, prayerlessness is really the church's number one sin. When we fail to pray, we fail everywhere, folks. We fail everywhere. We cannot think that we can do it on our own. We must be looking to God. We must be seeking God. Like I said, I don't know how it worked out. I don't know exactly who took the post or whatever happened, but the Bible doesn't give us those details. But the children of Israel, it says they kept the charge of the Lord. They kept a watch on the fire in the cloud. They had some people looking to God and looking to see when it was time to move, when it was time to rest, when it was time to go. And I love that, what it says there in 21. It says it might have been by day and it might have been by night. Can I encourage you with this? Perhaps tonight or 
The next night or sometime this week, you'll wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning. And it won't be because there's a crying baby. It won't be because somebody uh, needs some milk. It won't be because the phone is ringing. But you'll suddenly wake up. Why do you think you woke up? What is it that you're awake for? Maybe it's to pray. Maybe it is to pray. By day or by night. You say, I, I just, a preacher, sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night, I just can't go back to sleep. You know what I do? I've learned just to pray. Either I'll go back into sleep or I'll just keep praying and keep praying and keep praying. I woke up at, I think it was 4 o'clock or 4.30 the other morning. I couldn't go back to sleep. I just got up and prayed. Just got up and prayed. I said, forget this, lying around in bed, keeping my wife awake. You know, there's no reason in doing all this nonsense. Just get up. John wakes up at 4 o'clock every day anyhow. He's thinking, what's the big deal? So, uh, of course, he goes to bed about 6 or 7, keeping him past the bedtime there. <laughs> so, pray, day or night. Uh, we find here that the, uh, whether it be two days or a month or a year, it doesn't matter how long, pray. How fast do we give up on prayer? Amen? Come on now. How fast do we give up on prayer? Do you have somebody you've prayed for or something you've prayed about? Do you give up? Have you given up on it? Has been something in your life, maybe a person, maybe somebody, and you say, I just give up on them. I mean, I'm not, I can't keep praying for them. We need to be like that man that was in the parable this morning, the, the story that Karis taught over there in Youth Alive, uh, that he went to his friend's house and he was looking for some bread. You remember that? And he went to the bread and he, he was knocking on the door, right, Naomi? And he said, let me in, let me in, let me in, let me in. He said, he will not let him in because he is his what? friend, but he will let him in. And I love the word in Luke. What does it say? He says he will let him in because of his importunity, his importunity, his persistence, his not just persistence, but his irritating persistence is what it means. He would just, he would just irritate him so much that finally he'll wake up out of his bed in the middle of the night and he'll give him the bread. Is God much better than a friend like that? Come on now, isn't he? He is. We should learn to pray. We should learn to pray day or night. No matter if it's two days or three months or a year, it doesn't matter. Let us pray. Let us keep praying. Let us not stop praying. Husband, wife, let me ask you a question. Do you keep an eye on God? Do you keep an eye on each other through God? Do you pray for each other? Do you keep a post out for your wife? Do you keep a post out for your husband? Do you pray for him? Do you pray for her? Do you, look to, do you look out for one another in the prayer closet? Do you say, God, please help my husband to be safe, to be careful, to be watchful. Uh, please help him to resist temptation. Please help him to uh, come home to his family. Please help him uh, to have strength and to have a, uh, continue to be encouraged. Husbands, do you pray for your wives to be encouraged, to be strengthened, to be helped, to be loved, to, uh, to uh, have, a, have a, uh, a, a good uh, spirit and attitude in the home so that uh, she can have a better demeanor, if you will? You say, well, my wife, she's always this. Have you prayed for her, you know, lately? Have you prayed for her? People are oftentimes willing to complain about somebody, but how often are we willing to pray for somebody? That needs to be the question. Mother, father, have you prayed for your children? Have you prayed for your children? Do you pray for them? 
Have you lost an hour of prayer? Have you spent an hour of prayer for them? I just don't understand my children. Da, 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 da. Well, do you pray for them? Do you pray for them? Have you sought God for them? Have you went to the Lord for them? Have you, did you pray for them today? Have you been faithful to watch over them? Many times as parents, we are very careful to watch over the self-interest of our children. Amen? We are. <laughs> don't know, there's no doubt about it. Uh, you better be watching out for a, a mother hen every once in a while. Amen? Come on now. We know how they can be. A mama bear, right? Uh, you watch out for the self-interest of your children. Maybe you watch out for their schooling. Maybe you watch out for their safety. There's nothing wrong with those kinds of things. We want to watch out for the welfare of our children. Amen? But do you watch out for them in prayer? Who can take care of your children, mom, dad, better than you can? God. God can. Who can bring your children back to God? God. Who can help your children to be raised in a godly environment? Who can help you to raise them in a godly environment? Have you, all, have you went to God? Have you asked God, God, how do I raise my children? God, what do you want me to do with my family? Have we truly been watching over our family? Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplications for all saints. The Holy Spirit of God in this passage here, I believe, is no doubt being a pictured and is a type. For it is the Holy Spirit of God that even tells us that in Romans chapter number 8 and 26, likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know that we that what we should pray, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself make an intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit of God is your helper in your prayers. Just as the fire and the cloud was a helper for the children of Israel, just as it was there to lead them and to guide them, my, my, friend, my friend, my friend, my friend, the Holy Spirit of God is there to translate prayers into heaven. He says there in the passage, he says, for we know not how to pray as we ought. That's encouraging, isn't it? When you get down on your knees in the morning, just be humbled by that fact that you're going to pray but you don't even know how to pray. But praise God, you've got, an, you've got somebody that's going to translate those prayers. Amen? You've got somebody that's going to take those prayers up to, go, up to God, and that's the Holy Spirit of God. And he's going to pray in your behalf. And you say, sometimes, you know what? You're going to pray, and you're not even going to have... How many times, and I'm not asking for a raise of hands here, not even a head nod. But how many times have you prayed, and you can't even pray? A groan comes out. You know what? The Holy Spirit of God is able to translate that. He knows that. He understands that. And he can take that to God. The children of Israel had the help of the cloud. They had the help of the fire. By day, by night. It didn't matter. Are you neglecting your prayer life? This is the first thing to be watchful in. The second thing is to be watchful in obedience. Watchful in obedience. The formula was very simple. I don't have to read it for you again. If the cloud moved, can you say it with me, class? They moved. All right, come on now. I mean, I was. I mean, I know it's a Sunday night, but come on. If the cloud moved, they. If the cloud rested, they. That's exactly right. If the cloud moved by, it didn't matter if it moved by day or by night. 
It didn't matter. Whenever it happened, they were, the formula is easy. People too often say, say, well, if I just saw a visible manifestation of God, then I would obey God, I would listen to God, I would believe God. These people saw a visible manifestation of God on a daily basis for 40 years, and they tempted God in the wilderness. They murmured against God 10 different times. They were judged in those times. They, uh, they committed whoredoms with the Moabites. They worshipped false idols, and the list goes on and on and on and on and on, and yet they were seeing a visible manifestation and appearance of God every single day. Don't let don't anybody fool you into that argument. That's a fouled argument. The children of Israel saw the appearance of God and they still went against him. Moses spoke to God face to face as a man speaketh with a man, it says. Do you understand that, preacher? I have no idea what that means. Because I don't know how a man how one can see God and live. He says he can. But that's what the Bible says. And yet the man Moses was told by God to go strike, the, to go speak to the rock, and they would send forth water. And what did Moses and Aaron do? They went out there and they struck the rock. They disobeyed God. They disobeyed God. Obedience is not truly based just upon a visible manifestation of God. It is based upon a right heart with God. We need, they were obedient, though in this matter, they were obedient to journey in verse 17. They were obedient to rest in verse 23. They were obedient at day and night in verse 21. They were obedient for a few days in verse 20. They were obedient for many days in verse 22. It didn't matter. When God said move, they moved. When God said go, they went. When God said rest, they rested at the commandment of God. But I found something very interesting Take your Bibles to Numbers chapter number 10 and verse number 33. I never have connected this together until studying this out. I never did understand Numbers 11.1. The Bible just begins with verse number 1. And the people complained and it displeased the Lord. And the Lord heard it and his anger was kindled and God sent a fire and judged them. I just, I just never did quite connect the dots. But did you know that sometimes that I don't always agree with sometimes the chapter divisions? Uh, there's probably much smarter men that put the chapter divisions together than me, no doubt about it. But if you go back a few verses in verse number 33, look what happened. And they departed from the mount of the Lord three days' journey. And the ark of the Lord went before them three days' journey to search out a resting place. And the cloud of the Lord was upon them by day. And when they went out of the camp, and it came to pass, when the ark uh, set forth, that Moses said, Rise up, Lord, and let thine enemies be scattered, and let them hate thee that flee before thee. And when it rested, he said, Return, O Lord, unto the many thousands of Israel. And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. I can only deduce one thing. Is that people got tired of moving. They finally got tired of moving. They got tired of getting up and going. They wanted to sit down and be cozy. Yes, God lays it out very plain on how to do things and how to obey Him. But these people complained. They got upset. Do you complain at the commands of God? 
Do you complain? Do you get mad at God for telling you this or telling you that or not telling you anything at all? Don't be mad at him. Listen, his commands, he says, are not grievous. They're simple. They're easy to understand. They're not hard. He says they're not. We should learn to obey God with good hearts, not complaining spirits. Whatever God has asked us to do. But going back to our type here, do you know what the Holy Spirit of God is represented as in the New Testament? I said as fire. Do you know what the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 19? Quench not the Spirit. What do you quench? Fire. How do you quench it? Throwing water on it. Throwing a blanket on it. Throwing some dirt on it. Covering it up. Every time you dodge or complain about one of God's commands, you're quenching the Spirit of God. Every time you try to evade and work around and justify your thoughts, your actions, your deeds, your ideas that go against God's plans and God's revealed will, and you know it to be true, you're quenching the Spirit. You're quenching. You're putting out the flames. You're not obeying God. Take your Bibles to Romans 13 real quick. To our New Testament. In Romans chapter 13 and verse number 8. Romans 13, 8. Notice what he says here. Another place where he tells us to watch. He says in Romans chapter number 13. He says, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this, in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I appreciated Naomi saying those commandments this morning. That was a blessing, wasn't it? I want to reiterate, too. I don't know why I want to reiterate. I just want to reiterate, too. I did not get a sense from anybody that they did not like Naomi doing that or anything, all right? I was just making a point with that I said this morning. So, and I appreciated her willingness. Luke and Alexis didn't approach me on her doing it. She came to me and said, Pastor, can I, can I say these verses in church? And I said, sure thing. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and in drunkenness, not in chambering and in wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. We need to watch in obedience, folks. It's high time to awake out of sleep. It's time for us to wake up. It's time for us to, maybe you're going to a drug. Maybe you're going to, he says, it's not time to be drunk. Maybe you're resorting to alcohol to cope. Folks, you're quenching. That's quenching the Spirit of God. You don't need alcohol. You don't need drugs. You don't need tobacco. 
You don't need those kinds of things. That's the devil's medicine. Get God's medicine. It's the Holy Spirit of God. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Don't take the devil's pills. That's the devil's medicine. Are you in a relationship that's quenching God's spirit? Is that quenching the spirit of God? Stay out of it. Don't get near that. Stop quenching. Do you have an attitude that's quenching God? Spirit? Murmuring? Complaining? Are you loving others like you should, like he says in Romans 13? Are you forgiving others? Do you have a life that has strife and envy in it? Hey, he says, all of that, all of that, it's time to wake up out of that. You're falling drowsy. You're not watching like you should. The spirit is moving. The the cloud and the fire are saying, you know what? Let's not go that direction. Let's stay away from there. Let's move in a different way. Do you know what the Holy Spirit of God is trying to teach you, trying to say to you, trying to direct you, how he's trying to move in your heart and your life? Are you listening? Are you complaining? Are you going against it? The children of Israel at one point, God commands them to go in the promised land. And if you know the story of the children of Israel well, you know that they disobeyed. After they disobeyed, God says that you will not go into the promised land and that you will die in the wilderness this generation from 20 years old and upward. And that you, for 40 years, will wander in the wilderness. Well, a group of them got together and said, hey, we're sorry. We repent. We will go and fight. And Moses says, no, you will not go and fight, for the Lord is not with thee. And you know what they did instead? They went and fought, and many were killed because the Lord was not with them. The Lord wasn't with them. Listen, folks, we cannot expect to fight the battles that are in this life. We can't expect to fight the battles in this life if we're going to continue to disobey God and not do the way that God wants us to do. Finally, let me say this. Watch in comfort. We ought to watch in prayer. We ought to watch in obedience. We ought to keep the charge of the Lord in these matters. But we also ought to watch in comfort. Let me say this in closing. This should be a great reminder to us that God is with us no matter where we go. God's omnipresence for the believer is, yes, convicting. Amen? It's convicting to know that God's with us no matter where we're at. But it should also be a comfort, amen, to know that God is with us no matter where we're at. Jesus even told us, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. To the end of all time, I am with you. Hebrews tells us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The Lord told Jacob, I am with thee, and I will keep thee in all places that thou goest. The Lord uh, reminded Joshua on three separate occasions. He told him, he will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Samuel was encouraged by God that the Lord will not forsake his people. God will not do this, even though they were sinful. David encouraged his son Solomon whenever he was about to accept the kingship. Even my God will be with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. David said in a testimony in Psalm 37, I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. And Isaiah was reminded by God, I am with thee, be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. 
It doesn't matter what time of year, what time of day. Listen to me. It doesn't matter how evil the world becomes, how many people murmur, how many people complain, how many people hate you, how many people despise you, how many people speak evil of you. It doesn't make no difference if nobody listens to you. Listen to me, my friend. God is with you everywhere and anywhere you go. If God, if the people went where God went, then listen, is not the reverse also the same? That God was with them wherever they went also. God was with them. You might be like Samuel, and you might be saying, God, nobody listens to me. Nobody hears what I have to say. God says, I have not forsaken you. I hear you. You might be like David, and you need to encourage your children that the Lord never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And you need to be the leader, and you need to be the one that steps up and be the spiritual stronghold in your house and say, listen, guys, I know what we're going through is tough and it's difficult, but listen, I'm telling you right now that God will never leave us nor forsake us. God is with us no matter what. You might be facing a difficult battle or battles ahead like Joshua was facing, and yet God is reminding you like he reminded Joshua, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and with good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Wherever you go with God, God is with you. And you and I, listen to me, you and I might live, and we do live, in a time of spiritual apostasy just like Isaiah did. But don't you for one second Think that God has left. He is just as much as real and present in this time now than he's ever been. I don't see a cloud. I don't see a fire, preacher. Listen, cloud and fire have been long gone since the children of Israel went into the land of Canaan. But one thing that has not left us and that God has given to us in this New Testament era is this. His blessed Holy Spirit that lives in every one of us that are saved. Say, preacher, I don't have the Holy Spirit. Then Romans 8 says, ye are none of his. Ye are none of his. Say, how do I get this Holy Spirit? You don't get him by paying for him like Simon thought. No, you get him. By believing upon the Lord Jesus Christ to save you from your sins. And believing that he died for you and that he rose again the third day. Be encouraged by the fact that God never leaves you nor forsakes you. Not one time. Watch in prayer. Watch in obedience. And watch with great comfort of God's Holy Spirit. If you say go... We will go. If you say wait, we will wait. If you say step out on the water and they say it can't be done, we'll fix our eyes on you and we will come. Your ways, the rest of the song says this, your ways are higher than our ways. And the plans that you have laid are good and true. If you call us to the fire, you will not withdraw your hand. We'll gaze into the flame and look 
for you. No doubt that last reference is to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Who said, we're not worried, king. Whether we're standing outside of the fire or we walk into the fire, God's with us. It makes no difference. It makes no difference. God is with us. And truly, if you have Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then you have the Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. What's your prayer life like? I would confess to you that mine could be better. Considering the admonition we're given in Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. Come on now, right? Watch and pray. What's your obedience like? God has laid out simple, steadfast commands. Simple, steadfast commands. His commands are not grievous. Are you awake to those commands? Are you discouraged tonight? Then be comforted in the fact that God will go with you whithersoever you goeth. God is with us, my friend. May we follow him. When he moves, may we move. When he rests, may we rest. Whether it be by day or night, or two days, or many months, or year, whatever it may be, how long God has us upon the face of this earth, may we follow God no matter what. Father, we're thankful for the cloud by day and the